It's a film with three brains. 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 Welcome to the Film with Three Brains. I am S-A-M in San Francisco. This is S-E... <laughs> Never mind. This is Sean in Chicago. <laughs> Stumped. And this is Cohen in Maplewood. And we are reviewing the film Fitzcarraldo, and that is from 1982, uh, directed by Werner Herzog, and um, inspired by a true story. Not a documentary, um, but we did watch the documentary about making this movie called Burden of Dreams, so kind of a double review here. Um, I had never seen either, so to me this was this was the first. Have, have you guys seen both of these? Yes, I've seen them both. <laughs> no, I had not seen either, and I was really glad that we did both. Yeah. Um, I have... Uh, what am I trying to say? Um, I had seen I've seen a, most of Werner Herzog's movies not all because there's so many but I have like a double box set of all of I don't know like 25 of his films or something but weirdly enough when I was in college and I was in the film program um, Les Blank came to speak at my at Oshkosh I don't I don't remember why um, but he did and he showed um, Werner Herzog eats his shoe and mm-hmm. we talked and talked about that and then and spent the rest of the time mostly talking about Burden of Dreams and he showed clips of it. So that was sort of, that was my very, very earliest introduction of Werner Herzog. And I probably watched Fitzcarraldo right around that time after um, hearing Les Blank speak. Hmm. What was Les Blank like? He was, yeah. I don't know, he's kind of nerdy. Yeah. Um, I remember he seemed old even then, and he wasn't. I was just 20 and didn't fucking know any better. <laughs> Um, yeah, he's cool. I don't know. He's super laid back. He's just like a dude, you know. He sat there like in a circle with all the all the film nerds like me who were there and, and chatted and stuff. It was very informal. It was pretty cool. Nice. It felt it felt far more significant than in the grand scheme of things it probably is for you know small town Wisconsin. Uh, well, who's to say though? I mean, significant in what way to you? Yeah, it felt like you know. Tom Cruise had come to our fucking university, you know. Oh, well, shit. Just because no one, no, you know, it's like if you're if you if you go to film school at NYU, it's like Spike Lee teaches a class. You go to school in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, and you know there's nothing of the sort. So this this was like a taste of real world sort of filmmaking, a little bit. Yeah. 
even though most people probably never heard of Les Blank, you know, in the world of documentaries, maybe, but beyond that, you know, I mean, the average person could probably name three or four documentarians, maybe, you know, mm-hmm. I would guess, I mean, I, you know. I mean, I don't know where we're going to go first, but I'm curious about how he, how that even happened because, because Burden of Dreams is 80, they're both 82. Mm-hmm. So he was right there filming, uh, Vert Herzog filming Fitzcarraldo. Yeah. But, I mean, I think, you know, I guess he's not going to turn the camera around and show himself, but it still seemed like there were so few people involved that... Yeah. Well, he did Werner Herzog Eats His Shoe first. Have you guys ever seen that? Do you know about that? No. No. Um, Tell us. Okay, so... Uh, um, oh, jeez, I just blanked on his name. Um the uh, the the guy Errol Morris. So oh, when yes. Errol Morris was a young man and hadn't made any documentaries yet, he had an idea for one he wanted to make called Gates of Heaven, which was about eccentric people um, burying their pets in this one pet cemetery. And Werner Herzog made a bet with him basically that said, "If you if you get this film made, I'll eat my shoe." And so Errol <laughs> Morris Errol Morris got it made, and Werner Herzog literally ate a shoe ate his own shoe <laughs> and Les Blank filmed it and it was like a 20 minute short called Werner Herzog eats his shoe so, you know, it or something? I mean, hope he- yeah he it was like um, basically <laughs> he cooked it and that's like, he had Alice Waters uh, who's a, a famous <laughs> yes. chef yeah um, in California uh, cook it for him like basically um, like braised it in some sort of liquid for a while until it was ca- even capable of being eaten <laughs> Um, and they ate it. So it was like, it, it, you know, Werner Herzog being Werner Herzog, it was his way of inspiring Earl Morris to get out there and make his film. He wasn't trying to shit on him, you know. Right. He wasn't like, you'll never make this movie, I'll eat my hat. You know, it wasn't like that. <laughs> anyway, so Les Blank was the director that, I, I, you know, I don't know how they met, how that happened, but that, I'm sure that that was a couple years before Burden of Dreams and Fitzcarraldo. So I'm sure that is the evolution of that. Um, quick anecdote that made me, when you talked about eating a shoe, it made me think of this, uh, not nearly as interesting and it's totally irrelevant, but, um, I, we, uh, Amy, Amy's TV, we have like a one in a different room that we, it's kind of her TV. It, it died and we're like, okay, well, let's get another one. And <clears throat> she's looking online and I'm like, well, I can always find, I can, I can get one cheaper. And she's like, oh, okay, we'll see. And like, do you want to make a wager? Or is this a wager we're talking about? Um, long story short, the, wa- the wager part inspired me to like, you know, go to two different stores in person to beat her online price. And of course I did because much like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Errol Morris, I was inspired by the, the wager part of it. And I, so I did and I like texted her, I uh, showed her the receipt and I said, and then I got the thing and, 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 you know, I was thinking she would be like kind of mad, like, you know, like. Because it was like loser, loser has to pay for it or something. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> um, but she was like, "Oh, thanks." She was like really appreciative, and I was like so satisfied with myself until I realized, wait a minute, I just went out and got her a TV. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, huh, who, who just got played here? Hmm. <laughs> who actually won this? <laughs> hmm. I'm always Anyways. fascinated, Sean, by the things that motivate you. I, I mean, I was, that's, I was thinking of you guys because I, I remember a bet would always get me to do something. A yep. challenge would always, yep. you, know, you can't do that. No, no you're not going to do that. 
<laughs> they were crying out loud. That's I think we talked when we talked about Dune at some point. Uh, Sam, Sam, I said, oh, I, I you know, I want to watch. I don't know if I want to see it because I might read the book. And you're like, you're not going to read the book. And I was like, all right, all right. <laughs> and I did. I read the damn book. It's 800 whatever page book. And then I had to, you know, go and find the rental, find Dune again and watch it. But Just to so, prove me wrong. Excellent. Just to prove you wrong. Well, I appreciate it, though, because that's the right way to do it. Now I, now I don't have to think about Sting every time I think of Dune. I can just think about it. Indeed. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, all it's, right. it's some psychosis there. That I have to should probably figure out someday. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm curious, Sam, why you picked this. You know, it, this this has been on my list for years. I've always kept a list of movies I want to see. So you hadn't and, seen uh, it before you picked it. No, Fitzgerald. Either of them. No, not neither. Hmm. And it was always on my list of you know movies I wanted to see. It, it, it like it, it's a like I do a bad job of writing down who actually made the recommendation which i probably should like you know i do this with books too is people recommend stuff i keep a little list like oh you know i'll check out this book someday or you know check out this movie so i've had this movies to watch list that i've never watched and you know they're obscure things i've never watched eraser head you know it's on my on my list you know hmm. um and this was one of them i was like ah, oh, this is one i want to see and i, I, I like Werner herzog and um you know, seeing him recently in The Mandalorian kind of reminded me of that. Mm, um, sure. And this was, so when I, we started doing the, the podcast, I'd made a, I'd pulled out that list and put some of the ones on there that I thought were a little bit higher up of things like, I really should see that. This is one of them. Hmm. Um, just for our, our audience, a uh, little summary real quickly. Fitzcarraldo is... Um, like I said, inspired by a true story, and in the the Werner Herzog version is that that this Brian Sweeney Fitzgerald um, goes by Fitzcarraldo because the the people in Brazil can't pronounce his name correctly. Um, wants to wants to bring opera to um, was it Iquitos, and he. Mm-hmm doesn't he can't get the people you know the wealthy people there and this is set around the you know the early 1900s he can't get the wealthy people there to to um to build an opera house um but he does slightly befriend a uh, a rubber um baron who shows him that you know how how rubber's harvested and essentially tells him like hey there's this huge part of the amazon that people can't get collect the rubber from because the only river there has rapids that no one could get real ships through. Um, so it's all just sitting there. And he realizes that there's another river that's kind of close by that if they could get a ship across about one mile of land, they could get transportation to where all these rubber trees are. And so he gets the land rights and then becomes, um, obsessed with, uh, getting a boat and getting over this hill um, to collect the uh, the rubber. And I guess I'll spoil it because we spoil every movie. Um, he ends up <laughs> he ends up getting the help from the local natives who 
<laughs> who have this weird myth of a white god who has a boat. <laughs> a very convenient uh, myth. It, it didn't. It didn't feel too forced, but but when you step back from it, you're like, what? Um, anyway, they have this white god who's gonna who's who can tame the rapids or deliver them across these rapids. Uh, I didn't fully understand it, but anyway, the the Amazonian tribe agrees to help him move the boat. Um, with the secret plan of, of saying we're going to sacrifice the boat to the gods along with the white guy in it um, once we get it to the river that has the rapids. Um, so it's about, you know, taming the forest and trying to get this thing across. And, um, you know, this guy's dreams turn to crap once the Amazonian tribe does exactly what they secretly wanted to do. Yes, they had a dream then, of their own, he says. Yes. Yeah. And then the more interesting part to me was that they're actually filming a documentary of making the movie because Werner Herzog, who writes the movie about a crazy guy who wants to get a boat over the thing, is actually the crazy guy who wants to get a boat. <laughs> like, he doesn't want to build a model. He doesn't want to take the boat apart like the original story, like the original person who did this. Mm -hmm. He chooses a boat. The original boat was 30 tons dismantled, taken over the hill put back together in Werner Herzog's version it's a 230 ton boat in real life and he's going to actually get it over the hill using engineering and you know physical labor and and uh, all sorts of other things despite like obstacle after obstacle I mean this is one of those rare movies that is like hey we tried making it four times and and on the fifth over the course of four years we got it to work um like it just i just don't see this happening today like i just don't see how yeah. i think the closest this... thing i can think of is um terry gilliam's uh um the man who killed don quixote hmm. he tried he tried several times to get that made and things just kept happening and eventually eventually they just made they just made a documentary about trying to make it called the man of la Bancha. That's you know, somewhat similar. So at least uh, Herzog actually did it. Yeah, he finally did it. <laughs> I mean, this movie's crazy. I love this yeah. movie. It's nuts. Yeah. I, th I find it fascinating to watch. I find it just as interesting as the documentary itself because they're so intertwined. Like the, I don't know how to describe it, but watching Fitzcarraldo, you feel like you feel like it's about. Werner Herzog making the movie, you know, if that makes any sense. Well, sure. I mean, the, certainly the, does knowledge. The, the, we've the seen meta the aspect of it all is, I, I just find it fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. I, I find him fascinating. I find yeah. Herzog fascinating. Oh yeah. Yeah. Some of the, yeah, some I, of the, the soliloquies and monologues he makes in that documentary are so fascinating to me. He's such an interesting person. And like, how many mm -hmm. languages does he speak? He just effortlessly switches between languages. I'm like, ugh, I feel stupid. <laughs> You know, he he's like, I live and die with this movie. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and he, he was, was serious. Yeah, like he was like, like if he would have been like got some horrible disease or bitten by you know eaten by a puma in the Amazon, and his last words would be like, I told you. you know? <laughs> like, like, <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, I couldn't help but. When I after I, so I you know Fitzcarraldo Klaus Kinski is crazy, like he's not like 
his character is crazy. He is convincingly crazy. And I don't think the documentary showed enough of him. And I'm guessing that yeah. was done on pers- pur- purpose because the actual stories... Sorry, I have, I have an audience here. The actual stories <laughs> so that crazy. go with the making of the movie, like the Klaus Kinski was so outrageous that the local tribesmen that they were working with uh, uh, offered to kill him for Werner Herzog. <laughs> like that should have been in the documentary. Like that's it's well documented outside. You know when you when you start reading stories about the making of this film about how horrible of you know, it was to work with him yeah so i was kind of disappointed about that but they do have some some moments like like just the look on his face when he has to drink the the yuk, fermented yucca drink <laughs> yeah. <and all> that. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know yeah. um yeah i t- to me when i i enjoyed both of them and i, I almost feel like what i'd love for someone to do is to edit the two together like somehow mm. make the the movie have breaks with the documentary within it if you could pull it off mm-hmm. and all that because it's it, as as a group you know it, it, as a couplet it's it's it really helps to have seen to see the documentary and yeah. watch the movie uh, one of the many thoughts i had were was watching the documentary was you know showing all of these colorful things in the jungle these brilliant beetles and birds and things and none of that was really in the movie. And I assume that's in, on purpose. Like, he wanted the jungle to be not not dull, but he wanted it to be hard. He wanted the jungle to be a thing. Yeah. You know, the boat was mm-hmm. a thing. The jungle was a thing. And it had to be kind of brutal. And, and you know, if it looked too colorful and nice, it'd be like, oh, you know, you'd probably maybe lose that sense. <clears throat> but, I mean, I don't, I don't think I... I don't think I needed the documentary to think about how hard this was to make. I, I mean, I, I love to watch the documentary every second of that. But when I was watching just the movie, I was like, Oh wow, that's, that's a real thing they're doing there. Or, <laughs> yeah. you know, these are actual native people here that they're using as extras. You know, like you can tell that they're, they're using everything they can find to, to create something. And, and yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how to, I don't know how you would weave that together, I guess is what I'm saying, without ruining the vision, whatever vision he had from the first one. Hmm. But the, what, some of the main questions I had were to, <laughs> the beginning stuff. <laughs> um, and some of those questions got answered pretty quickly in the documentary. Like, first of all, yeah, Klaus Kinski, he's worked with him. I get why he would want to pick him. But as soon as you see him, you're like, that's the most German looking dude I've ever seen in my life, <laughs> you know, and his name is Fitzgerald. No, yeah. come on. Yeah. I like in the, be- in the early, he says, my father was Irish. Yeah. <laughs> oh, As if that explains it all. <laughs> yeah. His father was, was Irish with the weakest genes ever. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, so you can, you can kind of, oh, whatever. Well, we don't, doesn't matter why. But yeah. then, like, you get to the, the bell tower scene, and mm-hmm. when it's just Kinski ringing the bell, he's like, I, opera, I want my opera house, I'm a, you know, he's just like a petulant child, like, saying, I want my opera house. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. But when you see in the documentary, Jason Robards and Mick <laughs> Jagger yeah. in the bell tower together, I'm like, oh, okay, all right, all right. At least some, it's, like, somebody's with him on It's very different tonal. 
Totally. Really, yeah. They're exactly. sort of like smiling and, and yucking it up with yes. each other. And, and Klaus Kinski is like, just nuts. Just nuts. <laughs> <laughs> so that helped. I mean, and that's a lot of, yeah, just production sh- schedules. And, and uh, you know, Jason Robards getting dysentery and he had to quit. His doctor wouldn't allow him to go back to the jungle. All that stuff. Very mm-hmm. interesting. But made made the film itself more uneven and more hard to figure out. Yeah. But I mean, it, yeah, it doesn't really, it doesn't change a whole lot. I, I think the other, the other, um, I don't know if I want to say concerned, but the other thing I could have used more of was a reason for the connection between opera and this, this task. You know I mean? I, I get, I understand that like the ru- the rubber was to make a lot of money and the money would be used to build the opera house or to do what he want, what he actually wanted to do. Mm-hmm. But why was he so hell bent on, like, why did he love Caruso so much? And why did he, like, what was it? Like we want, I mean, and I've said this other times and other things, like I want to see what they're seeing. I want to, I want to know why it's so important to him other well, than j- just like, dreamy would, look at his face. I would say that it's, it's a film about obsession and right. so how do you, how do you explain obsession? You, you know, you can't, not really. When someone is truly obsessed with something and it, it, you know, you're just kind of like, Oh, okay. And you know, you can't explain it. You can't counter it, you know? And that's, that's who he is. He's a guy who's obsessed with yeah. everything he does. He becomes obsessed with in this, in the movie. And that's sort of, you know, I guess the beginning is effective because he's, he's like, okay, we, we just, we just paddled for three days or some shit. Right. You know, we, we came from a really far distance. To see a show to, he doesn't have tickets for. To see that he doesn't have tickets. <laughs> it just shows up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But. I don't know. Maybe the answer is in the song. My fantasies have turned to madness. And all my goodness has turned to badness. Uh, what's that? That's, That's a the song. Very, very popular song from the 80s. Obsession. You are my obsession. Oh, oh, yes. Right. You are Thank my you. obsession. I was trying to... Do you want me to be to make you sleep with me? I may know the words. <laughs> Bravo. <laughs> Yeah, it was I, like my mind was going back to opera. Like, what? Which part of the? Where did you get that from? You know, because <laughs> I yeah, I'm obsessed with this obsession thing. Yeah. Um, for, for our lyrics. listeners who maybe who maybe haven't seen Fitzcarraldo, which is probably all of them, but I would assume uh, we should just mention that Jason Robards was cast in the lead, and they shot about forty percent of it before he got um, was it dysentery. It says yeah. dysentery, but yeah, apparently could quite, be malaria. I don't know. Quite, uh, quite badly, and uh, had to fly back to the United States to recuperate, and he had to recast. Uh, originally, it was Jason Robards and Mick Jagger who played. Mick Jagger was like his sidekick, and um, when he had to recast J- uh, Jason Robards, he decided to eliminate Mick Jagger's the character completely just because he felt like he couldn't find anyone to replace Mick Jagger because Mick Jagger's Mick Jagger. So he just decided to eliminate the, the character. And I so don't know that he needed Mick Jagger. No, I agree. Well, not not when you have Klaus Kinski. Right. 
you know, someone of this intensity who, you know, who's channeling this sort of obsessed nature definitely yeah. doesn't need a sidekick, shouldn't have one. Whereas, you know, the scenes, the few scenes you can see in the documentary with Jason Roberts and Mick Jagger, it seems, it just seems completely different. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Or with Jack yeah. Nicholson, that also would have been pretty different. Right. Yeah, apparently Jack Nicholson wanted to do it. He read the script and loved it, but the... They couldn't afford him. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know who would want to go shoot. I, I was thinking of uh, the film we talked about way back, uh, Sorcerer, mm -hmm. also in the jungle. And didn't they end up having to create a new location in Mexico because they couldn't do all the shooting they wanted in the, in the actual, in South America or jungle or whatever it was? Yeah, I don't. I should recall. have looked that up, but Man. well, and basically they they sort of admitted their limit, the you know the limitations of filming. When you go get there's certain things we want to we want to film on location. There's certain things we can, you know, like the river that has to be a certain uh, width and depth or whatever. You know, they had to pick their pick their battles, but ultimately they had to, they had to shoot a lot of it in Mexico or in sort of a different place. They had to compromise and. Herzog wants none of that. <laughs> He's like, nah, -uh, we're not. I mean, that the description's like, oh, well, you know, we could have, like, how far they had to go just to get to mm -hmm. any of it. I mean. Yeah, 1,500 miles. 1,500 miles. Um, yeah, I loved his, you know, he's explaining, he's like, well, once they're out here, it changes who they are, and you'll, you will have more authentic acting. <laughs> and I'm like, I guess so. You also have bloody diarrhea from amoebic dysentery um <laughs> I, I will say that i i've gone to the amazon and through peru and just seeing it and all that was, was a lot of nostalgia and um you know the density of that forest and how much life is around you is like no other place i've ever been um you know and watching them though is is, you know, this is 1982 and seeing them like cut down a giant swath mm -hmm. of forest to film the movie yeah. or, you know, when you watch the scenes that, you know, the, on the documentary, the, the, you know, the tribe, uh, people, you know, kill a macaw and, and other animals there. And you're just, yeah. you know, at th this point in the future, kind of cringing, um, you know, I, I happy that the forest is still there because I don't know if you guys caught that part where they're like it's being deforested yeah. eight thousand acres, right. you know, by two thousand time. Yeah. yeah, it'll yeah it'll be gone. And I'm like, oh well, I guess for all the bad things we've done, we've managed to do a little bit right, and that it's not totally gone. Um, but yeah, it's it's <laughs> definitely an, an interesting glimpse into into the time and the forest itself. Yeah. I like yeah, the political it, motivations that they, you know, that they actually, you know, they cover giving, you know, for the, why the tribes people help him, mm -hmm. um, you know, that they cover that in the documentary. I think that's, that's an important element that. I just liked how the, the context you got from, from, from the documentary, because if you, if you heard, okay, well, that uh, somebody was shot with arrows and nearly, you know, three people nearly died. You'd be like, well, that was stupid. How'd they manage that? But then in the documentary, it's explained that, okay, well, this is a, this is a disputed sort of territory 
Yeah. And they're both there to get these turtle eggs that, you know, a certain tide, you know, all these turtle eggs get laid and, and they're, they're competing for resources. And they would have done probably whether a film crew is there or not. But if anything, the film crew helped in that, in that specific instance, you know, because they had a doctor there, they could stitch up these people, you know, like massive gash across the guy's neck and, you know, a fucking four foot arrow. If you want to call it, it looks like a, you know, I know it looks half like a, a tree. Yeah. Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, if you, if you like, if you're, when you're watching it, it, you kind of get it. You're like, Oh, okay. I can see how that, like when he explains, or like <laughs> having prostitutes at the camp, you know, <laughs> if you, if you don't have any context, you're like, that's, ins- that's just insane. That's just stupid. Mm-hmm. But it's an actual, what, a missionary, a priest that, act- that suggests it. Yeah. You know, I mean, you can't make this shit up, but I mean, you, you definitely want to hear why, like, why would, why does that make sense? Well, because you're in the middle of nowhere, you know, there's, there's, logistical things that you just wouldn't consider on a normal movie set. So that's, that's the shit I really liked about the documentary. And I, you know, I think yes, we already said this movie would never get made today. Probably never, you know, a movie like this will never get made, made again. Yeah. So it's also a time capsule. Yep. Should we go back to the movie itself again, just to make sure, sure we're, um, it's, it's hard to not slip back into the documentary though. Like, cause I was, <laughs> yeah. first thing I thought of was like, oh yeah. When he talked about the metaphor of the, having that ship and it has to be really hard and he like having the angle, he wanted a 40 degree slope, you know? And the engineer was like, well, 20 degrees, maybe we can do this, but no 40 degrees. You're not going to, it's not going to work. But he was like, well, but that's, that's, that's how, otherwise the metaphor doesn't work and the movie doesn't, <laughs> therefore the movie doesn't work. And I find myself a lot, most of the time agreeing with him. Like, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. You know, as crazy as it all is, most of his reasoning was, was sound. Yeah, I I did like that. And at the same time, he calls himself the conquistador of the useless. (laughs) 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 Like he's like, it's like, okay, at least he acknowledges it. Like the only reason he's doing all of this is to make his movie have the emotional impact he wants it to make. Like, you know, I'm like, all right, I'll give you credit. Like you're crazy, but at the same time, like you have a, an artistic motivation behind it that, that yeah. I guess I'll accept. <laughs> so I'm curious, slight tangent. Have you guys seen any of Werner Herzog's other movies? I feel like one, but I can't, I can't even tell you what it is. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's had a few in a, few, a couple documentaries in the last sort of 10 year, 10, 15 years that have sort of become pot like Grizzly man is the oh, one Grizzly that, man that comes is, to mind. Is, yeah. And then um, he did the um, the the guy trapped in Vietnam, um, shot down. Right? He did the yeah, original well, documentary. Well, the original was called "Little Dieter Needs to Fly." Mm-hmm. Is that what you, the one you're talking about? And then yeah. he made and then he made the the narr- the one with Christian Bale. Yeah, called "Rescue Dawn." Yeah, yeah. and then um, he, yeah, he had a few documentaries in the in like. 10, 10, 15 years ago that, you know, there was the cave of forgotten dreams and, Oh yeah. Um, into the abyss and 
I was just curious if you'd seen any of his other movies. Or, you know, the old the mm-hmm. older stuff, the stuff with Klaus Kinski, like not, his Nosferatu remake, is pretty good. It's interesting, and Agari the, La- the Wrath of God is is the one that kind of comes to mind because that was I think that was his first film that he directed. That he shot with a camera he stole from film school after he dropped out. And anyway, hmm. I don't know. I, I there must be there must be a there's got to be a documentary about Werner Herzog out there, right? Like a. Yeah, there was another one that's referenced somewhere, but I I can't find it. I'm I'm just I'm surprised no one's made just like a standard sort of Hollywood biopic about him. He's so interesting and prolific. He's made so many movies. He, and I just like listening to his voice. Yeah, his voice is great. <laughs> I agree. Because you know he, he you know the documentaries that he when he narrates it's yeah I, I don't know. Just, just that alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. There's one called Portrait Werner Herzog, 1986. Hmm. And there's also My Best Fiend, 1999. Right. Well, that's about him and Klaus Kinski specifically. Klaus Kinski. Yeah. I, when I saw the p- portrait one, I was like, oh, that must be a straight, straight up documentary or bio. Well, doc, yeah. Biopic. No, nah, whatever. It says it's a documentary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, now this I did not see. Incident at Loch Ness, a mockumentary written and produced by Werner Herzog and Zach Penn. I think I saw that. I'm almost certain I saw that. I also don't remember if I liked it or not. I got a. Yeah, I did see that. I did see that because I think Zach Penn is on camera like a lot now I'm thinking he seemed like kind of a turd and well it says that Penn also arranged for a second film production team to make a documentary about the renowned and sometimes difficult Herzog hmm huh there we go yeah you know when the, there was a a shot of the guy with the boom mic um on the ships at some point. Oh yeah. And, and he hurts his hand. Yeah. Ugh. Is that the guy that hurts his hand? Yeah. Cinematographer. Yeah. The cinematographer. Oh yeah. Well, I, w- I was just trying to figure out what, you know, cause the, um, I guess you wouldn't call it, um, ADR in those days, but when they were doing the, the overdub, their voices, you know what I mean? That there is in the beginning, I remember thinking that, you know, this is, you know, for the day, it's it's not that bad, but it's it's by our standards today, it looked really kind of shoddy, like the mm-hmm. way that they they talked just didn't always match. Mm-hmm. But then I but then in the documentary, they're talking about they're like you know then telling the the villagers to hold their breath or be quiet, you know, for and and they're getting a lot they're getting natural sound from for a lot of the stuff, and I couldn't square that. I was like, well, well which is it? I mean, did you do mostly? you know, the captured audio from the, with the boom mic, or did you just like, why, why was it so uneven? It could be a mix. They just had to use those, you know, they used, use what you can, use what you can re-record okay. if it's, I don't know. I mean, in that environment, who, who can say what the audio turns out? I mean, audio is hard, you know, yeah. it's notoriously difficult when you're on location. 
I can't imagine how hard is it when you're in like the, yeah. the, the most difficult location basically right. in the world. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't surprised that it was uneven. I was more surprised that they actually did capture a lot of actual yeah. dialogue and stuff. And I'm like, what? How the hell did they do that? Yeah. <clears throat> so, and, uh, I mean the the rapids that that matched exactly what I like. That was as as uh, violent and crazy as I thought it would be. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. When you when you're watching the movie part, it's, it doesn't look that bad to like bump into the side right. of the river, okay, right. and fall out of the bed or something. You know, people are just flopping around a bit. But when you see the, the actual. <laughs> camera falling over and people getting injured and you're like holy shit yeah this is they're actually going down a, a river and in, in a jungle and they're they're filming it this is this is insane yeah it's funny you can see the someone one or two people in you know sort of piloting the ship through the rapids at one point there's a shot where you see people on it yeah in the in the in the um what do you call it the uh pilot house yeah I was going to say the bridge, but I guess that's not quite right, huh? Yeah, something like that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. uh, It it did seem like there was one or two shots, though, that were miniatures. They were. Yeah, when it was going through the rapids. Yep. Which they don't talk about at all in the documentary. Mm Mm-hmm. No, that's what, yeah, that's what's interesting about the documentary is they cut some of that out. And they also, they showed the one guy get hurt, but they didn't show the people refusing to actually get on the boat to do the filming when they were doing it in the rapids. Mm-hmm. And that's why, you know, Werner Herzog was on there helping do it um, because some of the other people went and they didn't show that a couple of the other people broke their ribs uh, also trying to film it. Um, you know, I mean, the whole thing's crazy. Like I said, it just it just wouldn't be done now. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, but like I said, when the the lead the lead actor is playing a guy who's just as crazy <laughs> as the guy who's making the movie, mm-hmm. <laughs> it works. Yeah. The um, I like I like that the that you know his his small crew, which is the cook and the. Uh, the captain and that huge dude, which I can't remember what his, Oh, the engineer, he was the engineer. Mm -hmm. Um, like they, they're all like, wow, I don't, I don't get it. What are you doing? You know, like they're, he doesn't let him in on it. And we also don't know what's, what he's up to until he finds the spot. He's like, this is it. This is the spot. And then they climb up and they go on the top of the trees and they look around. And then he says, well, this is what we're going to do. And suddenly they're like, okay, yeah, let's do this. This is, this is going to work. Or, you know, they're, they're kind of with him all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. But he, he also says that, you know, the idea is to pull the boat over into this river where there's all the rubber. And then, you know, we'll, we'll just bring it back and we'll have a settlement on the other side, you know, where they came from. And I was like, well, how, who's going to, I mean, you got one boat. How are you going to get back to the Quitos or whatever the hell? Like how how are you gonna let anybody know that you got you found all this rubber and we need to get it back? I guess, I guess that was another just one more problem you know that he would figure out at, at a later date. Um, you guys follow what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. But I mean that's easier <laughs> to solve. Somehow it made sense to me when I was watching it. 
Yeah. I I thought I had figured it out. But now I guess, you know, you could have canoes or some you can build you probably could build a another boat. Well, smaller boat. She, and the and the current wasn't that strong on the first river, so. Hmm. I think that's I think that was it. It was like, you know, we'll, once we get the boat over there, then we'll find out with the rubber, we'll get all the rubber collected, and then we'll figure out how to transport it back and you know, we'll just live here for a while. <laughs> I don't know. Just hang out. It's just cool. hang out. I mean, he could have just not done the whole movie and just taken the money at the beginning and had the opera people come down and sing on a boat, right? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We do have a double up. We do? Ooh. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's no way that you guys would ever recognize it. Okay, that makes me feel better. But, yeah. The opera singer, or one of the opera singers in this movie, Mm -hmm. is Jean-Claude Dreyfus, who is Marcello in The City of Lost Children. Hmm. And that's the person who lets the girl drown, yet. Um, Mm -hmm. He thinks she drowns in the the water, and then... When he finds out that she's alive, he, he kind of helps the rest of the movie. Yeah, yeah, He's in Delicatessen, um, yeah. too. Yep, he is. Cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Look at that. What are the odds yeah. of that? Um, well, well, well. I have that number. We'll get on that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> get the interns on it. it <laughs> Oh, and the other thing that's never explained, probably for, which is probably better, uh, is his love for that pig. Like, like <laughs> he promised a fancy chair for a pig. What the hell? That was He's just eccentric. Part of <laughs> so it's okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean that didn't bother me too much. It was just, it was just such a throwaway kind of thing. Like, oh, and then this pig. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, there, so the documentary. One thing I didn't I, that I I found a little. Um, uh, I guess it would be a, a criticism is that. It it feels like it kind of only scratched the surface of what was really going down in that production. Yeah, because like it feels very restrained. Yeah, especially you know, in not especially, but one of the things is we we've spoken of how the. The, the DP, you know, hurt his hand horrifically, mm-hmm. like tore his hand in half. And, you know, the documentary mentions it, but it's all it's when we see him, it's bandaged and they're just like, oh, he hurt himself. But if you read about it, it's gross <laughs> and it's awful. <laughs> and he basically is in a, correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe I'm mixing my store, uh, like mixing my factoids, but didn't they have to, the doctor perform surgery without any anesthetic because he ran yeah. out <laughs> for two and a half hours. Yeah. Sewing his hand back together with no anesthetic. But this is where the prostitutes come in because if <laughs> you read the story I read, yeah. that <laughs> one of the prostitutes would put his head between her breasts to try to calm him down. Yeah. I'm sure that helped. <laughs> <laughs> um, take I two of these it, and, yeah, but then like a bunch of people died too making you know that the documentary doesn't really get into too much well I'll, yeah well yeah and there's a plane crash right yeah 
A plane crashed into the into the like the, the set, I, I guess you would call it, you know, or into the crew. <laughs> and they they I think they briefly mention it. Yeah, I have a feeling that that so, someone had control over what actually got put into that documentary. S- someone maybe named Werner Herzog. <laughs> <laughs> Did, so didn't um, Werner? Sorry, do you want to? You got one? Go ahead. Oh no, I was just, uh, the lyrics of it, another song popped into my head. Uh, oh. Everyone needs a bosom for a pillow. Yes. Um, <laughs> I'm sure that was the inspiration for that. Sure. Uh, anyway, I'll, 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 I'll see if people go for that at work. I'll let you know. <laughs> we cannot use anesthetic. Instead, we'll just put your head on a prostitute's breast. <laughs> <laughs> That's good enough. <laughs> No, see, he, I remember Werner saying that if, you know, if you tell me this is all worth it, I'll never believe that. I'll never, I think the gist of what he was saying was even though he was hell bent on doing this and he did it, he was, you know, he, he he wouldn't say it's worth it. Yeah. Per per se, you know, Mm -hmm. with all the things everyone's gone through. Right. Um, it was kind of, it seemed like an admission of, not culpability, but just just sort of like, you know, just saying that, yeah, I was probably in over my head the whole time. But yeah. even if had even if everything had gone perfectly, it still probably wouldn't have been worth it. You know. Yeah, I think that's what he was saying. I was because I because I found that hard to um to to marry with the idea that you know that he was he was trying to bring attention to the people's religion, you know, the part when he talks about these people, this culture, you know, that, that this is things that will vanish from, from the earth. Yeah. And we'll just end up with this homogenized sort of American bland culture. Yeah. <laughs> like that was the really interesting stuff was like, okay, yeah. so, he, so he reveres these people and the wild, I think he called them lions. He said, I, I want to live in a world of lions and these people are our lions. Mm-hmm. And, so if you say, if you think, if you believe him, you're like, okay, yeah, you know, that sounds like you really mean that. But at the same time, you're using these people to make your movie. You're knowingly yeah. using it. And he did, you know, try to get them their land. And the first, the first location they got basically run off the set. Um, I mean, they had so many problems the first time they couldn't actually make it work, but I, I don't know if the circumstances are like wait, the, the, where he ended up was more remote, so he had less like political influence. Or mm-hmm. it didn't. I mean, it didn't make any more sense to do it the, the second time around than it did the first time. But he didn't really. He didn't really speak to that. Just just said, "Well, you know, this this happened, and we had to move on." And there's, you know, there's his tribal leaders, and then all this stuff. But he definitely said that he wanted to protect. He wanted them to have access, their rights to their own land to not let oil and other companies get in there and, and destroy it. Yeah. So I guess, I guess whatever he did probably pales in co- comparison to, you know, the logging or the mining companies that would exploit the same area. I imagine he justified it that way in his head. He was like, well, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of disturbing their way of life, but I'm not, um, 
you know, I'm not taking anything away from them per se. I don't know. I just, I just can't believe, well, originally, if you guys looked at the, um, the, the historical dude, uh, what's his name? Not Marcus. Something, something Fitzgerald, right? Yeah. If it's Fitzgerald or Fitzcarald, um, he, he supposedly like, uh, threatened the natives to help him. You know, dismantle the ship and carry it over and put mm-hmm. it back together. So, there is a very strong colonial thing to that. That he has to be a, that he is part of in a way. Sure, he's just got you know he's got a camera and some some shit to move around, but he's still he's still exploiting them in in a way. And I, I remember when when the documentary started. At first, I was like, I don't buy any of this shit. <laughs> but the more he talked, the more I started started believing what he was doing, mm-hmm. or believing him. But it doesn't change the fact that he still exploited them. Yeah. So it's it's just that's why he's fascinating. He's like, he's sort of he's hell bent on this, but he's but he has regrets. But also, he feels like he's trying to do he's doing the right thing, trying to keep people, you know, safe and and do think the right the right thing, but. It's just, it's just insane. Like the whole undertaking is so insane that even if he, you know, there's no, there's no explanation for it. And ultimately they're, they're just, you can't, you can't try to say this is good or bad. And, but I mean, you can't say that filmmaking is, is good or bad necessarily. Can you? I mean, I I guess you can. (laughs) Well, I, I, I think it's good in. I mean, this is probably what we should have focused on, like preservation of culture. Like he wanted to show, like you know, films are are part of history. We've said we've talked about this before. They're important mm-hmm. because they're capturing something about the human condition that mm-hmm. you can't do in other ways. But he was doing something even more, uh, I don't know, more difficult. I think he was trying to make a story about all these different things and try to time together using, you know, sort of, I don't know. It was, ah, fuck. I can't, <laughs> I can't get my head around. It. I really can't. I can't figure out. I mean, you can't say it's good or bad, but you can say that it's, it's fascinating. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's kind of the, would I walk away with this? Cause this is a movie that a lot of people could look at, you know, the movie and be like, this isn't that great of a movie. Like there's, there's like, it's, you're kind of watching a crazy guy be crazy for a while. And for a lot of people that might be a turnoff, you know, yeah. like, you know, but at the same time, when you, when you have the, the two together, it's fascinating. You're just like, everything about it like yeah you're right horrible things happen and is it worth you know he talks about is it worth it maybe not but at the same time you've created something fascinating that will that will captivate people for for years and Mm -hmm. that's that's a success you know and yes in this case bad things happen to people and nobody deserved it or should have to have bad things happen in order to have a movie made you know, it's, and it's unfortunate and, and also the way, you know, tribal, you know, people were used and all these things are not to the standard 
that we would have it be now, but we can't go back and change that, but we can still be fascinated by the creation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Roger Ebert was a big fan of Werner Herzog, and he said something interesting, just paraphrasing that, you know, Werner Herzog never compromised on anything in any film he ever made. And, <laughs> and as a result, even his, even his failures are fascinating, you know, mm. even if he makes a terrible film, that's a total disaster. It's still fascinating to watch, which I agree it's with. Hard to argue. And you never agree with Ebert. <laughs> well, that's me. <laughs> oh, I agree with his review of North. <laughs> this does make it onto Ebert's 300 great movies list. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he made something that, that you, yeah, it's unique. There's nothing really like this. Yep. All right. Well, we know it won't be remade. We know there's no reason to remake it. Um, I could see, I could see someone making a film about the making of Fitzcarraldo, though, you know, someone deciding they wanted to make a, you know, sort of a narrative film mm-hmm. where they cast someone as Werner Herzog and, you know, and it's whatever. Yeah. I would be interested. I would be interested in that. I think that'd be really interesting. Yeah. yeah there's a, you know, material that's in the, um, in the documentary and in the stories that, you know, things that mm-hmm. weren't in the documentary that, yeah, you have everything you need. Cause it's, it's this, it's the, it's the same arc as a movie. You know, you yeah. have this person who wants to do something who hits every hurdle, you know, the, the old, you know, mm-hmm. write your character up a tree and then throw stones at them. Like that actually happens <laughs> to, you know, mm-hmm. not literally, but mm-hmm. figuratively. Yeah. Um, to Werner Herzog to get this movie made. And they didn't, like, yeah. like I said, the, the documentary doesn't even fully cover it. And so yeah. you're right. There's, there's a movie to be made about that. And yeah. you have so many, you know, extreme personalities in, in, yeah. in, in the, in there, you know, it's, yeah, yeah. it's ripe, ready for picking. <laughs> well, there's so many people in the industry who listen to our review. I'm sure it'll come out within years. Yeah. I hope they credit us. Yeah. Special thanks at the end. (laughs) (laughs) Could it have done without you? (laughs) So what are we doing next? Hmm. (laughs) Silence from Cohen. Is it my pick? (laughs) (laughs) Is that how this goes? (laughs) Is it really my pick? Yeah, it's your pick. (laughs) Holy crap. I had no idea. Oh, shit. I can't. I'm totally unprepared. I, oh, like guts are right. twisting for you. What is that? <laughs> That's just my biggest fear is not having a pick ready when it's my pick. You know what though? I've had I've had one sort of locked and loaded that I've almost picked so many times that it, it that I'll just go ahead and pick it now. It's fine. Are you gonna give us a clue? Um. <laughs> well, it's. Uh, it's from the eighties and it's a, a, a bit of a horror movie. It is, I guess it is a horror movie. Not in the traditional sense. It's not like, no, well, shit. How do I describe is it? it? So it's is not it 1984. Is it made in 1984? Uh, 
Was it? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was 86. Okay, so it's not Gremlins. What? No. I would... What I call that? I wouldn't call that a horror movie. No, would but you were, no. you were kind of on the fence. You're waffling. This is, like a, this is like a thriller slash horror movie. I've, I've mentioned it a couple of times in earlier episodes, specifically with regards to the movie poster. And it's not and House. It's, it's, um, its title is a popular or a well-known um, day of the year. Oh, it's oh, April Fool's Day. April yes. Fool's Day. It is April <laughs> Fool's Day. I enjoy that movie. I watched it a lot. That's a good movie. I, I enjoy. I, I have memories of enjoying it, yet I have almost no memory of the film itself. I know. Uh, I know yeah. vaguely what it's. I remember vaguely what it's about, and that is it. I, I have a feeling that it'll be like watching it for the first time, which is part of the reason I've been meaning to pick it. Because I remember enjoying it very much, yet I have no concrete memory of the film at all. Well, it's a perfect time of year for it, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I could pick Home Alone, right? No? Can I? Yeah. Uh, yeah, you could. Like 90. Yeah, I'm not going. <laughs> they just released some shitty remake slash sequel. Yeah. On Disney Plus called Home Alone for the Holidays. Yeah, forget yes. that. I don't know. Garbage. All right. April Fool's Day. Cool. April Fool's Day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think this has been our best review yet. Certainly. I think we're going to make a documentary about this review one day. <laughs> <laughs> that's how good it is. Yeah, that's true. It's too bad Burden of Dreams is already taken as a title. That would have been good. We could just put the sequel after it. There we go. Burden of Dreams 2. The even more burdening. <laughs> really rolls off the tongue. Yeah. It's a wonder. All right, that's enough film buff. I'm out. All right. Okay. Um, should we mention where you can one could watch April Fool's Day. People seem to like that. Um, that's weird. My my go-to uh, spot. Oh, you can rent real it. Good. And so they Brian. remade this at some point, right? They did. In the I not too distant that. past. Come on. In like two thousand eight. Two thousand eight. I never oh. saw it. I just knew that it had occurred. I don't think I it's a real remake. It's on Amazon Prime for free if you, oh, if awesome. you have Prime. So. Yes! At least it won't cost you nothing. If you have Prime. <laughs> cool. Great. All right. Sam, I'm going to wrap this up for us. <laughs> he's out already of, gone. Yeah, he's, he's, <laughs> he's done his Irish goodbye again. <laughs> Alright. <laughs> See you next time. Thanks for listening. That's enough, film buff. Peace out, Girl Scout.